Certainly he is worthy to be praised for his glorious love, is he not? Amen and amen. It's good to see you out tonight. Thank you for coming back on this Sunday night. I'm glad that you are here. Looking forward to our time together as we look at God's word now over the next several minutes. In fact, um, I have a couple things I'm going to say, but while I'm saying it, would you find your place in the Bible in Matthew chapter number 22? Matthew in the 22nd chapter is where we're going to look at in just a moment. Matthew chapter number 22. And then while you're finding your place, um, let me just um, reiterate what Pastor already mentioned about coming back to the services over the next couple days. And so thrilled to have a number of uh, guests here. Now, I actually don't know who's a guest and who's not because I'm a guest too. And I don't know who's the normal attenders and who the... Who the, um, who the visitors are. So from one guest to another, I say welcome. And I'm glad that you're here. And I hope you'll come back anytime that you can. You're welcome to come to every service. And in each service, we'll sing together like we have. The choir's going to sing all week. I'm looking forward to hearing that. And then we'll have special music. The boys and uh, Brittany and I will sing. And we'll just do several, several different things. I, I think you'll enjoy the services. I trust mostly that they'll be an encouragement and a blessing to you. Is this on? Is this coming through fine? Okay, just making sure you can hear me. Not that I usually have a problem being heard, but just, just in the uh, slight case that maybe something had changed. Um, in the foyer area, when you came in, we have a table set up that has some different resources. And right up front, let me just tell you, the resources we carry with us are all things that have been helped specifically to us, and that's the reason why we put them out for other people to um, take advantage of if you'd like to. There's a price list back there on what everything costs. Seth, our oldest son, usually mans the table, or boys the table, I guess he's not quite man, but he boys the table, and uh, takes care of a- answering all questions and, and um, taking care of fi- money and everything like that. So if you have any questions, feel free to ask him about any of it. But each night, I'll just mention... Um, something about one of the items that are back there, just to kind of give you an idea. And I mean this with everything that's in me. The only reason at all that we would, that we would encourage you to get any of it, to invest in it, is if it can honestly be a help to you. Um, this is not like supplemental for income. That's not the purpose of it. It is for the purpose of being a help. So, like, we have several CDs back there. Two of them are Britney's piano CDs, and then one is, uh, two are vocal CDs, one from 150 years ago before Brittany and I had kids and we made one, and then one more recent this last year with the boys singing on it as well. In fact, the song that Seth and I sang is on there. It's all professionally recorded and, and such, but... Uh, if, if you enjoy listening to music, then certainly um, take advantage of it. If you don't, not everybody does. If you don't enjoy listening to music and you want to be a fuddy-dud, fine, don't get it. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Sincerely, only if it'll be a help and if you'd enjoy it um, would I encourage you to get it. And then there are books back there. I'll mention those. We don't want you, <laughs> we don't want you to buy a doorstop. Meaning, a book that you set by the door in order to keep it propped open. That's not the purpose of it at all. But if any of the uh, books, um, what they talk about, um, if that interests you or you think it could be a help to you, then hey, take advantage of it. And uh, take full advantage of it. That's the reason why we bring it. All right? If you have questions about it, feel free to ask. All right, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter number 22, in just a minute. Um, looking forward to tonight's service. In the, in the Bible... There are immediately to my mind, come to my mind three different passages that have had significant impact in my life, um, and this is one of the top three passages for me. Just it's been such a help to me 
And so it's always a pleasure for me to be able to preach this. And almost always, the first time I go to a church, almost always, not always, but almost always, I usually preach from Matthew chapter number 22. And if I'm invited back to churches, on occasion I preach on it again because it's so, so valuable. And so I want to share with you what God shared with me. It's been a big help to me. I want it to be a big help to you as well. Uh, Before we look at it, um, two things. I want to ask the Lord to help us. And if you're a child of God, may I invite you to talk to the Lord as well. And then after that, I have a little quiz for you, all right? Father, I love you. Thank you for your love for us. I pray that you'd please help us tonight to learn the things we need to learn, to grow in areas where we need to grow. I, I want to do my best, Father, to explain what your word says. Lord Jesus, to repeat your words here and to give the explanation that you intended. But I also know that you may have a purpose for these words in the hearts and lives of the people who have gathered together that I couldn't even imagine. So whatever the individual need is, Holy Spirit of God, please do the work that you were sent to do in convincing of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and certainly of guiding us into all truth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask these things of you. Amen. Okay, for some of you, it may have been a couple of years since you've taken a quiz. So we're going to, again, dust off that part of our brains a little bit. And the quiz is not difficult, but everybody has to participate. And if you don't participate, then you'll be asked to leave the church. So uh, make, sure that you get, make sure that you get involved. Here's, here's the way it's going to work. I'm going to give to you a uh, vocation. I'm going to tell you who someone is, and I want you to tell me what a person in that vocation does. Let me give you an example. Uh, For instance, if I were to say a baker, you would say bakes, because that's what a baker does. Okay, let's try this. Here we go. Ready? A baker? All right, very good. You're doing well, class. Uh, Now we'll throw in a new one. How about this one? A fisherman? Yes. Um, A pilot? A pilot flies. So a baker bakes, a fisherman fishes, a pilot flies. Oh, here's one that's always fun to hear how the guys answer this. A seamstress, they don't seem, guys. A seamstress sews. So a baker bakes, a fisherman fishes, a pilot flies, a seamstress sews. Um, A Christian? Now you guys were doing really, really well up until we got to this one. Uh, let's back up. Let's try it again and have your answer ready. Whatever it is, you say, Brother Tim, is this a trick question? Of course it is. Why else would I ask it if it weren't? No, it's really not. Have, have whatever, whatever you think, just be ready to say it. All right, here we go. Ready? A baker? You know that one. A fisherman? A pilot? A seamstress? A Christian? <laughs> okay, you can look up this way. So there are a number of things that different people said, a number of things that you might think are true. I I will say this, just before we look at the passage. I will say that the effectiveness of a baker is dependent upon him knowing what it is that he's supposed to do, isn't it? In other words, a baker who doesn't know that he's supposed to bake will not be effective as a baker, will he? Well, certainly not. Uh, Or a fisherman that doesn't know he's supposed to fish, or are you interested in getting onto an airplane piloted by a pilot that doesn't know he's supposed to fly the plane? Well, you say, as long as he knows how to land. Yeah, but it's got to stay in the air, too. So um, a pilot flies a plane. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what he does. And his success 
is dependent upon him knowing what his responsibility is, a seamstress sewing, has to know that that is their responsibility in order for them to be successful as a seamstress. And I would say to you that the same thing is true when it comes to being a child of God or to being a Christian. But there's a lot of confusion about what it is so that I think sometimes one of the reasons why uh, people aren't as, I'll use the term, successful in their Christian life as they ought to be is because they're not really confident in what it is that they're supposed to be doing. In other words, what's the foundational thing? What is the most important thing? What is it that I'm supposed to be shooting at here? Well, did you know that that's a question that somebody came and asked the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, the Bible tells us in Matthew 22 and verse number 34 that when he came with the question, he came in order to tempt or to trick him. Okay, uh, for all you Bible scholars out there, was Jesus, did people ever attempt more than on just this occasion to trick Jesus by asking him questions, yes or no? Okay, most often, what was the Lord Jesus' response when he was asked a question with the intent to trick him, what was the Lord Jesus' response? Okay, he would ask them a question. Um, on one occasion in John 8, he bent down and he began to write in the sand. Or he ignored, very few times did he just give a direct answer when the question's intent was for tripping him up. Now, he gave direct answers to people with pure hearts who came really asking. Nicodemus. What, what, what am I supposed to do? How, how is this eternal life come? And Jesus gives an answer. Okay, in this case, this is really interesting because in Matthew 22, when somebody comes and asks the Lord Jesus, in essence, the question that I've asked you, we'll look at it in just a minute, the Lord Jesus does not, in this case, ask a question, nor does he write in the sand, nor does he just ignore. In this case, the Lord Jesus just straight out answers the question. And in my mind, I think to myself that the only reason why he would have done this is because of the value of what it was that he was saying and how important it was for this to get into the hearts and minds of the people that he was addressing. His disciples were there. The people who wanted to trick him, Pharisees, Sadducees, other people there. But Jesus just answers the question. And that's, and that's worth noting only to see the, the importance of of the subject matter at hand. So we're in Matthew 22. Verse number 34 is where we pick up the story. The Bible says here in verse 34, when the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Okay, real quickly, time out. Um, Pharisees, Sadducees, just in case you don't know, were two religious sects of people. Um, in today's time, we would, we would um, call them denominations. They had differences in opinion about what the Bible meant, but they were both religious, and both of them desired greatly to see Jesus uh, put in his place according to their minds, not so much the place of what he deserved, but what they thought should be his place so that they could hang on to their power. So the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, then they were gathered together. Verse 35, then one of the Pharisees which was a lawyer, okay, again, pause just for a moment, lawyer, don't think he sues people, lawyer as in he studied the law of God. He would have had more of the Old Testament memorized than you and I have read in the last month. I mean, this was, this was a man who knew the law of God. Verse 35, he asked him a question, tempting him and saying, verse 36, here's the question. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? 
Okay, now would you stop just for a moment? Here's what he's saying. Jesus, hey, I consider myself to be a child of God. I'm a Jewish man. I'm a Pharisee nonetheless and a lawyer. I study the law. I, I serve and follow Jehovah God. Of all of the commandments, of all of the things that we're supposed to do, that God told us to do, or that God gave Moses to tell us what to do, what is the most foundational, the most important commandment of all the law? And this question he asks. In other words, a Christian and the Lord Jesus Christ answers in verse number 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. With all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Another passage says, with all thy strength. Verse 38, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then verse 40 says this. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Okay, now friends, this is so valuable. And you might think to yourself, well, Brother Tim, this is basic. But it, just, just consider for a moment the importance of being settled the importance of knowing without doubt that this is what is our main goal as believers, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, how it helps us to focus our attention. In fact, in verse number 40, the Lord Jesus Christ said, on these two commandments, that you love God and love other people, hang all the law and the prophets, meaning that everything else that's supposed to happen in your life will take place when you give yourself to loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and loving others as yourself. So let me give you the statement for the service. This is, this is what the message is about. We'll explain a couple of things and apply it in a couple of different ways, and then our time will be done. But here's the statement. If you miss this, then you'll miss the reason why, why I'm preaching right now and why we've gathered together tonight. Please hear this. There is nothing more important than your relationship with God. There's nothing more important than your relationship with God. And it's not just me that's come up with that. Certainly you can see it in Matthew 22, but Matthew 22 is not the first time it's mentioned. In fact, if you go all the way back to the beginning of creation, when God created the heavens and the earth, when God made man, the Bible says that God made man in his own image. Now, we don't know all that involves. We know that being made in the image of God means we are made as a reflection of him. I believe that this has to do with how God is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God made us uh, having a body, a soul, and a spirit. And so that there's a reflection there. But involved in that creation, you could look back in Genesis and see it, God created man for the purpose of having a relationship with him. That's, that's why God made him in his own image, was so that he, God, and man could have this relationship. And God and Adam and Eve had this relationship so that it was not uncommon for them to walk and to talk together, and there was this fellowship, this relationship. Okay, but then something happened to break the relationship. What, what was it? Okay, sin entered into the world, and the Bible says, and death by sin. Adam and Eve disobeyed, ate the fruit they weren't supposed to, and at that moment, there was a death that occurred. Now, physically, their bodies began to die, and the earth was cursed for the sake of the sin. All of that is true, and their spirit died instantly. But in that moment, there was a rift, a break in the relationship between God and man. 
So God created mankind for the purpose of relationship. But then when man broke that relationship with sin, God was so interested in getting that relationship back and having the relationship that he began to say all the way back in Genesis 3.15 and continued to say all the way through the Old Testament, in essence, someday I am going to send someone who is going to restore again the relationship between myself and mankind. 4,000 years later, The Lord Jesus Christ was born. He lived a perfect life that you and I could not live. He died a death on the cross that he did not deserve to die. And the reason why he endured the death of the cross and allowed his hands to be nailed and his feet to be nailed to a cross and he went through the scourging and the mockery and the torture and everything that he endured on the cross was namely for the purpose of us being able to be restored to our creator who created us for the purpose of relationship. You know, sometimes in preaching, um, preachers, myself included, will say something like, hey, if you'd like to know for certain that you're going to heaven, let me tell you how you can know that. And it's not as if that is wrong, but to be perfectly honest, it's not the point. In other words, having streets of gold to walk on is not what salvation is all about. God wasn't thinking to himself, ah, I sure would like all these people to come and enjoy the beauty of heaven along with me. Let me send my son. That wasn't it. The reason why Christ died on the cross was not so that we could live forever in heaven. Rather, it was for the purpose of restoring the relationship. And in the New Testament, in 1 Peter, the Bible says that when a person trusts Christ as Savior, that it's as if Christ brings us to God. There's one God and one mediator, a go-between, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And when we trust Christ, Jesus brings us to God and reconnects us. His blood washes our sin. His righteousness is given to us. And we are in God's eyes justified, perfect. And now we belong to God and we have this relationship. Which culminates, by the way, with our getting to spend forever with God. So yeah, that's heaven. And it may be beautiful and there may be mansions or mansion with lots of rooms depending on how you interpret it. And there may be a river that flows and a tree of life. There may be all of those things. There certainly are. The Bible talks about them. But the point is a relationship with God. I mean, just just consider that that's the reason why God created you. And it's the reason why the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. I'm telling you, there's nothing, there is nothing more important than your relationship with God. Nothing. Nothing. Now, if this evening you're here and you don't know that you do have a personal relationship with God, a relationship with God is not speaking as someone who has been created by him having the natural relationship just because he's your creator. That's not the relationship. We're talking about a, a relationship that has, uh, has taken care of the sin that stands between, namely what we've just talked about by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection from the dead, uh, proving that he's powerful enough to save us. That, that is what brings us into a relationship so that... So that Tonight, I can bow because of what Christ has done for me, not because I'm a preacher or a good person, but tonight, because of what Christ has done for me, I can bow my heart, my head, and I can say, good evening, Father. 
and there's a relationship between me and God. If that were based on something that I had done, then that would be pretty arrogant, would it? Wouldn't it? I mean, if I said, hey, God, you're my father. I'm good enough to be your son. That would be arrogance if it were based on what I do. But that relationship is not based upon what I have done. It is totally based on what Jesus Christ did when he paid for my sins on the cross. I have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I have trusted him. I have accepted him. And in the moment I accepted him, then God made, uh, God made me, the Bible says, the righteousness of Christ. He gave me the righteousness of Christ so that I am now God's child through Christ Jesus, my Lord. So that, that's the deal. But all of that revolves around a relationship with the Lord, with God. There's nothing more important. Yeah, a baker bakes, absolutely. A pilot flies, a seamstress sews, a fisherman fishes. But a Christian is to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, strength. Second commandment's like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, quickly. If it is true that there is nothing more important than my relationship with God, and it is true, if that is true, then four things, practical things, I'd like to just leave with you tonight and the rest of the time that we have together. If there's nothing more important than my relationship with God, number one, make sure it's God that you love. Hey, friends, you, make sure it's God that you love. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, when the Bible talks about the world, it's talking about the world's system of thinking, about what the world holds as valuable that would be anti-God. It's not saying, hey, don't love your family because they're of the world, or don't enjoy food because it's of the world, but talking about the worldly system um, that would be a sinful, wicked system. God says, you can't love the world, you can't be in love with this world and be in love with me at the same time because the two are at opposite ends. God is holy, the world is not. So that for me, as a believer, as a Christian, who knows in my heart, I know in my mind there's nothing more important than my relationship with the Lord that I've got to be certain. I've got to be alert to the fact. I've got to keep my eyes open. Or as uh, the Bible says in uh, Colossians 2, that I'm supposed to beware. I'm supposed to beware and be alert to the fact to make sure that it is God that I love, that there's nothing that takes his place. And see, here's the deal. My, my natural tendency, and Satan himself is so good at just allowing certain things to come in that start to pull my attention away from God. Things that may be, at the beginning, innocent or seemingly innocent in and of themselves, and they may not be even wrong in and of themselves, but they just begin to pull my heart away from the Lord, and I've got to stay alert to it. Now, I'm not talking about being overly introspective where you wring your hands every day hoping, oh, I hope there's nothing between me and the Lord. That's not the way God intends for you to live. You don't have to live that way. That's not what God wants. But... It doesn't mean I close my eyes to the fact either that it's very possible that there are things that can be used by the devil himself or by my flesh to pull my heart away from the Lord so that I make sure, I just take a a moment and consider, all right, is it God that has first place in my life? Is Is it the Lord that I love? Let me give you an example And this is a personal example. 
this is, this is between me and the Lord. This is, this is my story. It's not yours. Okay? So if this hits home to close to where any of you are, this is not me saying you should be like me in this. I'm telling you what God did in me regarding this. Because when God began to teach me about this matter of my relationship with him being the number one thing, about being the most important thing, um, I took some time to just ask the Lord, okay, Lord, is there anything between me and you? Is there anything that stands in the place of you in my life or that's pulling my heart away? And I had something that I thoroughly enjoyed doing. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. But again, it's my story. It's not yours. You understand? I love hunting, deer hunting specifically. And Tennessee, <laughs> he just woke up. He was asleep all until this moment. <laughs> deer hunting, amen. The blood of Christ, mm. deer hunting, amen. We have a problem here, people. We got to work through this. There's more work to do than I thought, Pastor. We're <laughs> Okay, so, so uh, in Tennessee, I don't know if it's anything like this in Virginia, but in Tennessee, where we live, um, deer hunting's a big deal. Now, deer aren't big. I'm from Michigan originally. Up there, they have deer. There, we have deer. And so, in Tennessee, um, we have a, a permit you can get in the county I live in where you can get three doe a day during a certain part of the season. So deer hunting is a pretty big deal. There's lots of deer, and I, I love it. I love the thrill of the hunt. And please don't be offended. If you're a PETA person, please don't be offended by this. Um, but I enjoy harvesting deer, and, <laughs> and uh, I enjoy going out in the morning. And uh, Seth, Seth has gone with me. He was old enough to go with me. I, I, it's just everything, everything about it's just exciting. I, I enjoy the meat from it. Everything is good. You know, it just, it, it's great. And it, God, God allows for it. So it's not as if it was wrong. But I was praying one time. And I just said, Lord, if, there, if there's anything that's hindering my relationship with you, it's something that's being used, even if it's a good thing, if it's an okay thing, if it's being used by, if it's being used to pull my heart from you, then God show it to me. And not audibly, not audibly, but almost, God said, Tim, let me have hunting. And what I would like to tell you is that I said, I surrender all. (laughs) But that's not what I said. I said, Lord, look, I take my New Testament out with me when I go out hunting. And I quietly flip through the pages and read. It's a good father and son thing. You told me to train up my child in the way he should go. This is a good father and son thing. Lord, and I don't remember how long it was, but it may have been hours or days. Not, not, not like spending in agony and prayer, but just the Lord would just on occasion say, Tim, I want it. And finally came to the place where I said, all right, Lord, it's yours. Okay, if you enjoy hunting, I am not telling you that's what you're supposed to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is my story, not yours. What I'm telling you is something that was good and profitable, it was fine, hunting, harvesting, is something that could be used to pull heart, because what, what ended up happening 
was when I was, when I was hunting, two weeks before hunting season start, um, deer, deer fever is a real thing. I, uh, I, about two weeks, I'd be preaching revival meetings. And we were a week and a half or two weeks out from hunting season. And I would have struggles thinking about what I was supposed to be preaching. I was thinking about deer. I was thinking about where am I going to hunt? How am I going to hunt? And this is going to be so great. I can't wait to get out there. And it was just something that, that my flesh used, Satan used, to just veer my heart away. And it can, be, it can be anything. Okay, please hear me in context. And please don't take what I'm about to say out of context. If you do, I will never speak to you. No, that's not true. But for some people, um, something like social media could, could be used this way. We have, we have a friend up in Alaska where we preached on a number of occasions who, after I preached either this passage or another passage like it, wrote Brittany and I a letter, and in the letter said, hey, the Lord's been working on my heart about this already. I just want to let you know. She said, I, I loved Facebook. I really did. And she said, I counted one day and realized that I was checking in with Facebook about 35 times a day and checking in with God three. Okay, is there anything intrinsically wrong with Facebook? Men, don't answer. (laughs) Well, there's nothing wrong with being connected to people. There are problems with it. But the point is, something that seems like no big deal just can be. And I'm I'm not saying you're not supposed to. What I'm saying is, just be aware. Make certain it's God that you love. That there's attention that is given, that there is purposeful directing of your heart, because there's nothing more important than your relationship with the Lord. So, number one, make sure it's God that you love. Number two, ask God to increase your love. Okay, this is so simple, and yet, why do I struggle with it? Ask God to increase your love. You do know that when we pray things according to the will of the Lord, we know that he hears us, and when he hears us, we know that we have the things for which we ask. You know that's true? In other words, when we ask God for stuff that's according to his will, we're going to get it. Do you think it's according to God's will for people to have a relationship with him? Okay, so if I come to God and I say, God, would you please increase my relationship with you? Would you help me to love you more? God, please help me to love you more. Is that a prayer request that God would enjoy answering, yes or no? Well, absolutely. Okay, so here's the deal. This is so simple, but with a sincere heart, come to God and say to God, God, please help me to love you more. I started praying this prayer when I was in college. I began to pray, dear God, I pray that you please bind my heart to yours with a chain that cannot be broken. Draw me closer to you. Help me to pant after you like the deer pants after the water brook. And I began to ask God to do that. And I will tell you, in all fairness, in all fairness, that if you begin to ask God to do this, God will answer and will work. But sometimes, in order to get us in that relationship that he desires for us, sometimes he has to pry our fingers off of things that we're holding on to a little bit too tightly. So that I just want to, I, I mean, it's just, just in full disclosure that um, it could be that, that in asking God for this, you may be actually asking God to remove some things from your life that are causing some, some hindrances to that relationship. But I will tell you that the relationship with the Lord far exceeds anything that I could hold in my hand. You've heard the classic story of the dad who bought his daughter 
a plastic set of pearls, and she loved them. And two years later, she wore them every day. Two years later, he comes to his daughter, and he said, hey, give me your pearls. She says, Daddy, you bought these for me. I love my, my play pearls. I wear them all the time, Daddy. Please don't make me give them to you. And he said, give me your pearls. Daddy, I don't, please, I don't want to. Honey, trust me, give me your pearls. So she unhooks the play pearl necklace off of her neck and gives it to her dad, and her dad pulls out of the desk drawer a strand of real pearls and clips it on. Okay, that's similar to what we give up to receive the relationship with the Lord. So there's nothing more important than your relationship with God. Make sure it's God that you love. Number two, ask God to increase your love. Number three, spend the time. Spend the time. All right, all relationships take time, don't they? If you're married, you should be nodding your head right now. That's a good place for an amen. Um, all, relationships, all relationships take time. So um, if, if you're going to build a relationship, then it, then it just, just takes time. Britt and I met our freshman year. I told you this this morning. We met our freshman year of college, and um, we, it didn't take us real long to know that there was more interest than just friendship. Um, we, we were pretty interested in each other pretty quickly. And in order to spend time together, basically, the only time that we had because of a busy class schedule and extracurricular stuff with sports and, and she was a teacher and, and such. So in order to spend time together, we would, we would eat meals together and then go to church together. That, that was how it went. So let's just say, just pretend that Brittany and I have just met each other and we're past the just like you stage, but we know that this is going to go somewhere or pretty certain it is. And we spend every day, um, we do meals together, and that's the time we get to spend together. And so one morning, I call Brittany in the morning before breakfast. I say, hey, Brittany, <sighs> I'm sorry, I overslept. I'm not going to be able to come to breakfast. I'll see you at lunchtime. Lunchtime rolls around. Ah, Brittany, look, I, I have a history quiz next hour, and I didn't get to study for it yet, so I'm sorry. I'm going to need to go study for my history quiz. Maybe I'll see you at supper time. Supper time rolls around. Hey, the guys are playing basketball tonight. It's going to be a great game, and they invited me to come play. Um, so I'll see you tomorrow morning at breakfast, but I'm going to go play basketball. Next morning. You're not going to believe this. <sighs> I overslept again. Lunchtime. Ah, Britt, I'm sorry. Look, there's a, uh, there's a Greek quiz next hour, and I have to study Greek because I'm going to be a preacher. I don't know why, but I have to. And uh, so I'm sorry. i got to go study for, for this quiz. I, I, I'll, I'll catch you later. I'll see you at supper. Supper time rolls around, and it's, hey, tonight they're playing football. Hey, look, there's some of your friends. Why don't you go eat with your friends, and I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, ladies, ladies, you tell me what's going to happen to me in this relationship if that is how our relationship time goes. What's going to happen? Do you know what it means? <laughs> Do you know what it means to get the boot? <laughs> Boom. Why? Well, because in a relationship, takes, it takes time. Okay, now stick with me. It's the same way it is with our relationship with the Lord. So friends, it doesn't do any good for us to stand up and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. Or to say, oh, that's what I want. Lord, please give me a relationship with you. Help me to love you more if, if we're not going to put the time and effort into it. Now stop just for a moment. And if you're thinking to yourself, oh, Brother Tim, I have my devotions. Okay, look, I understand the purpose for the word. 
I understand why people talk about it and preach about it. But for what it's worth, I do not like to talk about devotions or use the word devotions. Not because it's a bad word, only because it instantaneously causes to come into our minds a checklist of things that I've got to do in order to be a good Christian, and I've got to read this amount in order to, um, in order to not feel guilty for the rest of the day. Let me, okay, I, I read, I prayed through my list, okay, it's good, now I'm good. I've had my devotions, now I'm good to go. All right, try that with your spouse. Brittany and I go out um, on a date once a month because that's what a book said we're supposed to do. And I take her to our favorite steak place, McDonald's. And uh, we sit across the table from each other, quarter pounder and cheese and french fries. And I pull out my three by five card and I say, How are you doing? Are the children treating you well? Is your favorite color still green? We have everything we need in the cupboard? Okay. Would, would you think, wow, there's somebody that is dedicated to their relationship with their spouse? Or would you think, what kind of deal did she get into with this? Okay. Now, hear me kindly, but in essence, that's what we do with our Lord when we say, okay, I've got to read through this because I made a promise when I was a teenager. Okay, my list. That's not relationship. Relationship is getting up in the morning and being able to say, good morning, Father. Relationship means when you're driving to work that you can talk to him. Or when you're all alone and nobody else is around, you can sing. From your heart to the Lord. And you speak and you listen and you tell him the issues and you hear him and you look at his word to gain insight. Yeah, absolutely. You read and and study to show yourself approved. All of those things But all of that is for the benefit of this relationship that is so needful. That is the reason why I was created. And it's the reason why Jesus Christ died. And it is the main thing of Christianity. And I cannot and I will not be a successful Christian. I I won't have it real on the inside. Successful. It won't be real on the inside unless that's what I'm aiming at and what I'm giving myself to. There's nothing more important than your relationship with the Lord. Make sure it's God that you love. Ask God to increase your love. Spend time. Just spend time with him. Talk to him. Listen to him. When you have opportunities throughout the day, not just get it done, but spend time. And then lastly, live it out. Live it out. The Lord Jesus Christ made this statement. I'm going to let you finish it. If you love me, Keep my commandments, he said. Remember that? The Lord Jesus speaking to his disciples. Hey, if you love me, keep my commandments. Um, Among other things that he meant by that, one of the things that he taught us is that our our relationship to him is connected to our obedience to him. In other words, as I obey the Lord, then it, it helps my heart to love him more. 
Here, here's the problem, and it really is. We have the opportunity to preach in a lot of different churches and to meet a lot of different people. To be perfectly honest, um, none of us are all that different. I mean, in a sense, we're all the same, and yet all, all individual. I, I get that. I'm not taking away from your individuality. Uh, but, but there's a sense in which we see the same things over and over again. And I will tell you that one of the things that we have consistently seen and that I... Uh, I fall in danger of my own life is that while I, uh, I spend time with the Lord, I read, I listen, I do these things, I ask God to increase my love, I make sure there's nothing else standing in the way, but if I am not actively involved in, in uh, living out my, my love for the Lord, that is, the loving of others, of reaching out and serving other people, that there, be, that there gets this stagnance in my life. It's, it's like, uh, well, we're in farming community. Think about, a, uh, think about a water, a body of water, a pond, where you have an inflow of water but no outflow. What happens to the water? It dies. It's stagnant. It's worthless. It can't help anything. And the same thing happens to us. So often, one of the things, one of the things that causes there to be death on the inside, where some of you might be sitting here tonight and thinking to yourself, Brother Tim, I wish that's how I felt. I wish I had a heart that was on fire for God. I wish that I really desired to have a relationship with him. I wish it was like it was 20 years ago when I had it. Man, I wish that was case. That was the case. And in many cases, the issue that comes up is that we are not actively reaching out and serving. Because as I actively reach out and serve, it causes me to need more of God. And as I come to God needing more of God and he gives more of himself, then I have more to give. And it's a great cycle to get into. But sometimes we get into the cycle of thinking that we're doing God the favor and our relationship is taken care of as long as we just show up to church when we're supposed to. Well, friend, that's not the point. The point is the relationship with God. And involved in the relationship with God is living it out. So that I reach out. Man, what a difference it would make for some of us just to find a place of ministry where you can care for and love on and invest in people who can't do anything for you. Just the neighbor down the road who's, who's um, not able to take care of their yard anymore. And you go out and you do it in the name of Christ in your heart. And you just say, hey, I just want to, can I, can I help with your flower gardens? Or take an opportunity to, to go and visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. To spend time, the time that you have, instead of always self-centered. But I'm reading my Bible. Yeah, but it's going to die on the inside. There may be income, but if there's no outflow, then, then it dies. For millennials, for Christians who struggle with commitment, oftentimes the reason for the struggle with the commitment is that there's no investment anywhere. There's no giving out. And if there's no giving out, then there's no need for more. Do you see how this works? Okay. So, let's go back to the beginning. Here we go. A baker... A fisherman? Yes. A seamstress? A pilot? Here we go. You ready? A Christian? <laughs> Loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, strength. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything else that's supposed to happen will happen when I give myself 
to this main thing. How important it is. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you in recognition of this. And Father, as we desire to set our hearts to seek after you, I pray that as the foundation to all of this, we would see what your son said when he was here on this earth regarding this loving you with everything that's in us. And Father, if there are some who tonight have something that is between them and you, um, they need to make sure it's you that they love. Help them to see it for what it is and help them to either eliminate it or else pull it back in its priority and to be able to set it aside for a while so that, so that the most important thing can be taken care of. And then, Father, that you'd answer the request of those who ask you to increase their love for you, that time spent would have value and it would grow and burn on the inside of us. And then, Lord, um, as we live out our love for you, Give us both opportunities and help us to look for opportunities and take them to be proactive in this so that our hearts for you can be in need of more of you and we can love you more and more. We need your help in this, Lord. We are prone to wander. I am. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. So, Father, take our hearts and take and seal them. Seal them for thy corpse above. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just ask. I wonder how many tonight would say, Brother Tim, when you were talking about making sure that it's God that you love, there are some things I know of right now that, or something that is, that is being used to pull my heart away from the Lord, where it, it has gained too much value, too much importance in my life, and I see Right now, the Lord spoke to my heart. It's something that needs to be either set aside or pulled back. And I know what it is. God's dealt my heart about it. And you'd say, please pray for me. Anybody like that tonight? You know of something in particular? God dealt in your heart about it? Okay. All right. Well, God bless you. Talk to him about it in just a minute. Secondly, I wonder how many tonight would say, Brother Tim, I can't say that asking God to increase my love for him is a prayer request that I regularly have. But I see tonight how important it is. And I'd like to add that. That's what I want to start doing. I'm going to begin to ask God to increase my love. And you'd say, here's, here's my hand. That's a decision I need to make. Pray for me. Anybody like that tonight? I haven't been, but I need to. And I know it. And I want to. I'm going to. And God will help me. Good. Good. How about spending time? Brother Tim, it's not on my radar. I've not been doing it. I've not been a part of it. I see how valuable it is. Not just so I can check it off my list, but just spending time with the Lord. And you'd say tonight, that needs to happen. It's not happening. It needs to, and if God will help me, it's going to. Anybody like that tonight? Might I pray with you about it? Okay, another hand. God bless you. And then how about living it out? This is important. How about living it out? Brother Tim, yeah, I take in. I take in. I read. It's, it's a habit. I read, but as far as my relationship with the Lord being on fire, I think maybe the reason why it's not is because I'm not actively serving the way that, the way that God would have me, and I, that's what needs to change for the relationship with the Lord. Um, and you'd say, please pray with me about it. Anybody like that tonight? There's some stuff that needs that. Okay, a number of hands again. God bless you. Good, you can put your hands down. Hey, everybody, look up here, would you please? We'll not do this every night, but I think it's important tonight. In just a minute, I'm going to have us stand, and I'm going to pray for these that have raised their hands. And when I finish praying, I would like to invite everybody who raised a hand, God dealt in your heart, I'd like to invite you to um, come and find a place at the front Talk to the Lord and seal in your heart that which he's dealt you with. Let me just give you a real quick clue and 
Um, I've already gone longer than I meant to, so I'll say it quickly. Satan will do everything he can the instant you leave this or whenever we're done to start stealing the seed of the Word of God out of your heart. So it's wise to seal the decision with the Lord. That is just to take a moment, bow before him and say, God, this is what you've dealt with me about. This is where it's going to happen. This is when it's going to happen. God, please help me. Show me. Help me to remember this. Whatever. And just seal it with the Lord. It will just be one of those things that helps put the seed a little deeper in some good ground so that fruit comes as a result of it. So it will be beneficial to you and it will encourage other people because of the number of people that, that God's been working in your heart. So if you're physically able, in a moment, I'm going to invite those that raise their hands to come. Now, obviously, um, coming doesn't change anything. Uh, even kneeling doesn't change anything. What matters is when you leave, but it will be helpful to that whole process. So I'd like to invite you to in just a moment, all right? If you're physically able, everybody, would you mind just standing to your feet and let me pray? Father, I love you. I thank you very much for the truth of your word. I pray that tonight's service would have impact that's eternal in the lives of these folks who are here and in the lives of others as well. Now hear the prayer of your children as they come to you and talk to you about it, I ask in the name of Christ. Please keep your heads bowed. If you would, just for a moment, we're going to have the pianist begin to play through a song of invitation. As she begins to play, if God dealt in your heart, may I invite you?